0: You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world.
1: But you do need to know a few things
0: that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them.
1: Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins.
0: out truestrengthapparel.com for clothing you'll love with a message you can trust. That's truestrengthapparel.com. If you love this show enough to actually support it financially, well, we have a page where you guys can do that for us. That's at patreon.com slash Again, that's patreon.com slash true strength life, where you can become a patron to the true strength life podcast. See our goals we have on there that we want to reach for, for creating better content for you guys. We greatly appreciate you. God bless. All right, Aaron Simpkins here back with another episode of the true strength life podcast. And I'm interviewing uh, one of my pastors right now, Pastor Ron Burrows. And uh, so let's see what he has to say. So, Ron, uh, real quick, tell him kind of who you are, what you do, and uh, then we'll we'll kind of get into things.
1: All right. Well, good morning, Aaron. Um, let's see. I've been, uh, yeah, I've only been pastoring at this church for like 43 years. So I'm uh, still kind of new at at a lot of this, but we'll uh, we'll try to muddle through, uh, and uh, really haven't gone far in life. Uh, the church is uh, two doors and across the street away from the house I grew up in. So we're uh, we've we've stayed close to home. Uh, was uh, was raised uh, uh, going to Roman Catholic uh, grammar school, and didn't understand why these people were always going to that little church up there. You see them coming and going on Sunday, and uh, and they would stay there for longer periods of time than what we did. So it was uh, always had a bit of an interest uh, to me. The uh, I, I guess you know as, as you get further along in life, you start thinking of the things that uh, God did to bring you to Himself, and and a lot of it started actually right here on on the very street. I shared last Sunday in church a little resurrection story. And I'll give that to you. When we were, uh, I guess I was, you know, around the 13, 14, 15 year old area. Um, My friend lived exactly next door to this, to the church. And we would go up there. He had a big basement. We would play uh, ping pong, especially rainy days or whatever, when we couldn't go out and play baseball. So we'd, uh, we'd go up there for hours and hours and and just, uh, and just play ping pong. His, uh, his parents one time as I was leaving, they were, uh, they were watching, actually they were watching Billy Graham on, uh, on television. And I thought, wow, that's really weird talking, <clears throat> listening to, you know, a religious guy talk to people on their TV, you know, and some big thing with all these thousands of people and to have that kind of interest, um, you know, whereas to me, church was an obligation primarily. So, um, uh, But as I was standing there for a moment, um, you know, watching this uh, and there was a commercial or something happened and up in their living room, I noticed uh, a cross. And and they were raised, they were a Lutheran family, went to the Lutheran church here in town. And uh, so I asked them, I said, I looked at your cross. I says, and actually they had, now that I remember, they had two. One was just a, a plain wooden cross and the other one was a smaller metal cross. And it had um, Jesus on it, but Jesus was kind of like in a, a maybe what we would think of like a resurrection mode or an ascension mode, kind of like mm-hmm. a robe with the hands up in the air. And yeah. the other one was just a plain empty cross. So I was raised where it was crucifixes, where you still had Jesus on the cross, um, you know, like more of a good Friday picture. Yeah. And so I asked him, I said, uh, I said, what's, what's the story? Why? Why isn't like Jesus on your cross? And. You know, I guess it was the right moment there. And they, they looked over at me and said, uh, well, you know, he's not on the cross anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah. So why why should we have him on the cross hanging there when that was just a little bit of time? The real story is the fact that he's not there anymore. And then they you know look at the other cross and he said, and after he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven. So, you know, interesting that, you know, I'm, uh, you know, was probably you know, a young teenager and now. You know, in my early 60s and to still remember that. Um, I also remember uh, sitting with the same friend uh, on a little uh, little wall out in front of their house. And we would sit there and talk and hang out. And one time the pastor of the church who lived directly across the street from the church building, uh, he was walking from the church to his house and and saw the two of us there. Now, I I knew this guy uh, because he grew up with my older brother. Uh, I watched him put him and uh, him and his twin brother play baseball. Uh, their dad was a coach. My brother was on the team. So we would go and my father would take me and we'd go watch baseball games. Um, and so I knew I knew the man. Uh, and then I knew that he did kind of as the term was back then, got religious. And uh, so here he was, you know, pastor of the church. And I really I didn't really know him to talk to him. I just knew who he was. So he came walking over to us and, uh, and shared a little heaven track with us. And, you know, opens it up and they ask us, you know, am I going to heaven was the, was the front page of the track. And, uh, you know, it was it was OK to listen to and I was a polite guy, so I did. But, you know, nothing really sank in. But interesting that, you know, another point where I would hear um, hear things about God on the very same street um, that that I was that I'd lived since 1956. So and then I and it was uh, about that same time. Um, I remember in uh, in grammar school, this was eighth grade, and, you know, again, in a uh, Catholic grammar school, and we would have religion class every day, and the teacher, a uh, Dominican nun, uh, had got permission, because you weren't allowed to necessarily read the Bible back then, or, or interpret the Bible, <clears throat> so she got permission to buy all her students um, New Testaments. Mm. And we were allowed to read it, but you weren't at that time allowed to interpret it. So we would read it. uh, You know, different people in the class would take a a paragraph or a few verses, whatever it might be, and then we would put it put it away, and then we would talk. And it was interesting because it was, uh, you know, we're allowed to ask questions, and and the dedication of this woman, who did it. I mean, our class at that time was about forty some kids in the class. And there were two eighth grades and two seventh grades. And she taught all of them uh, religion class. So she obviously put out of her her, her pocket, um, you know, enough for, you know, nearly 100, I guess closer to 200 kids uh, to to have their own own New Testament. And Mm -hmm. one day we were, it was opened up, we were asking questions. And I asked a question about my friend and his family, because I knew that, Um, You know they went regularly to uh, you know to the Lutheran church, and I said uh, I said sister, I have a question about heaven. Yeah, sure. And I said now, if if you have to, you know, be Catholic to go to heaven, what about my friend, who's Lutheran? And the room was kind of quiet, and then she looked and she said, well, Ronald, because in school in those days you only used your full proper name, she said, well, Ronald. She says it's not really whether you're a Catholic or not; it's really whether you're a Christian or not. And a Christian is one who believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for his sins. Hmm. And so that, of course, stayed with me, and you know, really, you know, got me thinking. I mean, I was the older boy, did all that kind of that kind of thing. I was very faithful, um, but I got to see that there was maybe a little bit more to to all this story so you know fast forward a little bit it's now uh my senior year of high school and um there were a number of kids in our in our school it was uh 10th 11th and 12th grade who were going to a high school bible study and you know they would talk about it what have you i really didn't have much interest until one day uh, the one girl was talking about inviting kids out to this bible study And there was one fellow, I forget, he was a center on a basketball team, about six foot 13 inches. And he looked at her and said, you know, will you just shut up about all this God and Bible study stuff? And I wasn't raised that way. I stood up, stood up to his face. And I said, you sit down and you shut up. Uh, No, you never talk to a girl like that. I said, besides, I'm going there tonight. I looked around like, holy smokes, what did I say? I had no intention of saying that. <laughs> so she looked over and her eyes got all big. She goes, Oh, that's wonderful. And I'm like, oh boy. So she reminded me what time it was. And I'm like, and this girl was not the type that she was gonna go away. So I remember sitting home after dinner and I looked at the clock and it was like, you know, quarter of seven. It was supposed to start at seven o'clock. It was right in their side of town. So I got in my car, yeah, my 1964 Falcon. And uh <laughs> Burned up a quart of oil getting there, um, you know, pulled up, went down the basement and there had been, I don't know, 50 kids down the basement. And here the fellow leading the Bible study is um, playing the guitar and leading the Bible study was the same fellow who shared the track with me probably four or five years before that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I looked and I'm thinking, you know, if anything, I can believe what he's saying. I can believe his sincerity for sure. Um, And so after all the singing was done, um, you know, he was started on his message and then he quite simply explained the gospel in the most simplest terms possible. Um, You know, shared John three 16 and, but when he got to, um, you know, whosoever believes he says, now look at that verse. Whosoever believes has everlasting life. He says, does it say believe and go to church? Does it say believe and all the Ten Commandments? Does it say believe and do this, believe and do that? All these different things that I was told were, over the years, was kind of in addition to believing. And he explained the word believe, to trust, to fully rely upon. And he also clearly went over Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And he said, you know, people interpret the Bible the way they want to, but how do you interpret not of works? You think it means by works? Mm -hmm. There's only one way to interpret that. So, you know, I listened, and there was no reason to not believe. He gave an invitation, you know, all heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. He said, this is a time between you and God. And, you know, if you believe that, you know, Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for your sins. acknowledge uh, that before God. And I did. And afterwards, he said, you know, he said, "Hi, of course, we recognized each other. And, uh, you know, he said, what do you think about, you know, what was said? And I said, it made a lot of sense. And uh, he said, well, do you believe? it?" I says, yeah, I, I, I believed, you know, I, I do. I believe I said, i never saw it that way before, but, you know, clearly I trust the Bible. And uh there's no reason not to. So then he followed up with a question and he said, So if you were to die tonight, where would you go? It, it took a second to get the word out. And I'm like, heaven. And you know, the you know, just the the, the concept of acknowledging even to myself uh, that I was heaven bound was incredible. And I left that night, I can remember walking out, <clears throat> you know, looking up in the sky and thinking, wow something's different.
0: Um,
1: and of course, you know, a a babe in Christ, I, I, you know, all I knew was those two verses. Couldn't wait to get home and tell my parents. They were like, Oh my goodness. Um, but they were kind and they listened. Um, and it was the beginning of, of a, of a life that, uh, just hasn't, hasn't stopped. Um, so I was, uh, they said my senior year would have been the month of, of November. And things started moving very quickly. I went out the next week, bought a Bible um, at the uh, the bookstore in the mall.
0: What and translation?
1: <laughs> started reading. What uh, what yeah. translation was it? Oh, King James.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, what I thought.
1: Yeah. That was done in, what? 1611, right? King James? Yeah. Yeah, so this was back, a few that years was, after that. Yeah,
0: I was going to say back when you got it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, 1611. That was, that was yeah, I think that's when my dad was born. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that was that was the only version there was, and uh, I guess New America
0: Standard was around then. Uh,
1: Yeah, RSV Yeah,
0: you had RSV two was around. Yes,
1: yes, and uh, because I can remember uh, in Bible College, uh, looking at the New International had just come out in '73. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so that was November. Uh, they took all the kids to a uh, Christmas camp, and uh, during our Christmas break, and this was it was a week long camp. This was like five five or six days long. It was, you know, we were there uh, up in a mountain somewhere, and uh, this fellow, Dave, who had a twin brother, uh, Mike, <laughs> who was a uh, teacher at the Bible College down in Florida, Florida Bible College, and so Mike came. And he was teaching alone with his brother and another fellow. And, and that's when I made the decision. I mean, they explained Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, you know, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And uh, be not conformed to this world. But be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. So uh, I made the decision then. I said, you know, Lord, you know, my, you know, my life's yours. There's no reason. I, I cannot come up with a logical reason to not allow you to be in charge. There's just no sense in anything else. You're God. And again, I can remember walking out of that room, looking up and thinking, what did I do? And, <laughs> but I, I had a, a comfort, a peace, yeah. knowing that, you know, God was going to be in charge and he was going to call the shots. So, um, and now that would have been, you know, those was again, uh, November, I was saved uh, December, I made that decision. And then uh, by August, I was on a plane, heading to uh, Bible college. So things moved pretty quick. Um, and of course, you know the people behind me were incredible. Uh, as I've said, the, the, uh, the pastor uh, was the Dave Sullivan, his brother, Mike Sullivan. And uh, they, uh, Dave took myself and two other guys uh, to the to the airport and, you know, said goodbye and off we went and landed in Florida and Fort Lauderdale and his twin brother Mike was there to pick us up. Uh, so so the he,
0: same guy was there.
1: <laughs> the same guy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, you know, so I said I knew them both and, and they have been an incredible part of my life to this very day. Uh, Dave is now um, retired. have been a missionary and a pastor for for many years. Uh, but he still travels from, you know, up in the Allentown area down to our church once a month. Him and his wife Kathy to do uh, uh, to teach one Sunday. They also teach our, our marriage group back when we used to meet, and uh, you know now they're, uh, like I said, still a major part. Mike is uh, on the board for uh, Ethnos 360 uh, Mission, and has been teaching Bible ever since. Uh, he's still active teaching in their in their Bible school. And so he has been teaching from the 70s, um, early 70s, actually, all the way uh, to today. So and these guys are, you know, they're my friends. um, And having that kind of uh, fellowship and uh, and life together with them is is just incredible. So, yeah, so that was that was that story. And then, um, uh, you know, the uh, the church here, obviously, you know, we were part of that and the uh came a time when the the church was having some having a rocky time and uh there was i would say probably down to about a dozen people and um dave was getting ready to go up to a ministry up in new york city area and so he talked to three of us all from the same town of lindenwell actually the one um fellow was on was about a quarter mile from, from right here. Uh, now when I say right here, I'm, you know I live one block behind the church. and the other one was from uh, a, literally a stone's throw. He grew up from the house where the Bible study was that I got saved. So all three of us from the same town, all three from the same, uh, the same church, all going to the same Bible studies, going to the same church service, growing in the Lord, uh, all in Bible college together. And so we had, uh, you know, along with the, the leadership of the church, um, you know, after, you know, about a year of, of working together on it and uh, involving us in the lives of other people who could help us along, uh, were ordained and, and took over the church at that point. Uh, Mike Sullivan was up at that time. He stayed with us again for about a year after that, as did... Uh, Gordon Bennett, who's also a a teacher at the uh, Michigan campus of uh, Ethnos 360. And uh, so they stayed on with us for about a year as we were young. And uh, and then they went uh, back into other mission work. So it was uh, it was a good time. And so that was uh, that was 43 years ago. And, Mm. you know, so we we uh, we believe in the uh, that leadership should come from, uh, should come indigenously, um, that it's best if, uh, if some people come from within the church, and that seems to help the whole shepherding idea, uh, that you know your people, and, and a shepherd is to know his people. So that has worked well, even right now, which is, uh, you know, we're talking uh, right in the middle of the quarantine, the pandemic right now and uh every day I'm on the phone every day I might be uh you know on the phone um uh, you know texting emailing whatever um with uh, keeping in touch with the people of the church um uh, and we're we we're doing well we we
0: have a, we have amazing people at the church I'll, uh yeah <laughs> I, I can back you up on that um we do for real and and it's it's an example of uh it's a small church still is a small church. Um, but it's a, it's a church full of people where I could say, I could pretty confidently say that every single person in there, like actually lives out their, their faith, um, in some way, uh, actually like cares about reading God's word and, and wanting to grow in that way. Um, which you don't, you know, not trying to like, say this in a way of putting other churches down, but you don't necessarily, that, that's not a common thing you see in church culture. Um, and, uh, you know, so that I guess in, in kind of a, uh, an encouragement to you or, or a good thing to say to you, like, you know, that obviously has something to do with the leadership, um, of, of the church. Uh, and you're not, you're not the only leader, you know, you're not our only pastor. Um, but, uh, and there's been times throughout your whole time you've been here where there's been many and there's been few and and all that um throughout different situations but uh but yeah we have great people um so what i want to hear a little bit more about is you you did talk about you went to um you went to college and now you're at you know where you started pastoring but so a lot of people when they think of um, starting as a pastor or, or you know, yeah, I think I want to, I think I want to be a pastor. So I'm going to you know, go to seminary or I'm going to, you know, go down that route. It's almost like a career. Like they're, you know, they, they're in the beginning and choosing their career. Some people are, they, they think of it that way. Some people think of it as uh, I, I, you know, I really believe God has called me to do this. Um, so I'm just going to do it. Uh, it sounds like And then this is where I want you to to correct me, Um, but it sounds like your story is kind of a part of God has called you to this. But also you said, God, take my life and wherever, whatever direction it needs to go, that's where it's going to go. So how would that work out for you in 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 starting that?
1: I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't. um, And I can remember a prayer. And uh, when I was in Bible college and I said, Lord, I, I, I don't I don't want you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a pastor. I'm here to learn your word. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were, you know, guys in there who were uh, you know, they were on course. Um, they wanted to be, you know, a professional pastor. Uh, in fact, I can remember one guy who, you know, he, he met this girl and she's really nice. And he says, yeah, he said, but I can't marry her. And I said, well, why couldn't you marry her? I mean, like, you know, she loves God. I mean, he goes, well, you know, I'm looking for a wife that plays the piano. <laughs> because if I'm, you know, a pastor and this uh, way to always be a piano player. And oh I boy. can remember, like, you know, you know, the commercial where the jaws drop, you know, at the, at yeah. the truck commercial. I was like, that's what I felt like.' like.
0: You're missing wow, something.
1: That's that's like. And I, Lord, this, this isn't, this isn't for me. I can't, I can't sit in an office for, you know, every day, five days a week, and then get up and tell people how to live on Sunday, according to your word, when I don't experience it. You know, these people are being mistreated at work. These people are working long hours. These people are trying to juggle, you know, 75 things in their lives. Um, You know, they've, they've been, you know get stepped on in the, in the, in the career world. Uh, you know, some people get kicked. Some people, things, things are going great. Then they crash. There's a lot of ups and downs, um, in that world. And I said, I, I can't see how you cannot experience that. And, and, and to be able to tell people how to get through it and how to look to God through it when you've never done it yourself. Yeah. So, I never knew that there was a thing like bivocational before that wasn't a word. And so God, you know, he, he, granted the request. All right. And, uh, you know, there was the opportunity. Um, so yeah, it would be these 43 years. I mean, most of them are all bivocational. Um, so, you know, I said that, that wasn't the route. And I I also couldn't see that I would spend, you know, five, six, seven, 10 years at a church and then say, okay, it's time for me to move on. Um, yeah. God wants me to go to, to a bigger church uh, yeah. because I also was picking up. And again, I wasn't raised in, 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 in this, you know, brand of Christianity. <laughs> I was raised in Catholicism. Yeah. So I'm picking up that the, the goal was to, you know, get a church as soon as you can. And then, you know, uh, God would call you to another church. It always seemed that the other church was a bigger church
0: mm-hmm. or, or and, offered more.
1: Yeah. It had more programs, you know, back then bus ministry, you know, I could be a pastor of a church that had a hundred buses, uh, you know, wh- whatever it might be. But I had one professor in college who, uh, he went that route and I mean, he was, uh, uh, retired from pastoring and, uh, doing the teaching full time. And he was an older guy. And he said, you know, he says, I got my first church and he would tell the story. He said, then I got my second church. And he said, but I wanted, uh, you know, he was a Southern guy. He said, I wanted a big old church with pillars out front. That's what I wanted. I want to be pastor of a church with pillars out front. And he said, that was my thought. So, so wonderful. He was so honest in his, in his yeah. uh, talking about his life. And he said, and sure enough, he said, this church got a hold of me. And he said, you know, they had pillars. And it was beautiful. And I looked at this place and their piano and all this. He goes, it was wonderful. He says, so, you know, I, I left the church there and I, I, you know, I was called, you know, to this other church. He, he would use that term kind of jokingly. And he says, and I, I had, I was pastor of a church with pillars, <laughs> pillars and the most miserable people I ever met in my life. <laughs> Nobody loved each other in that place. And you talk about loving one another and the arms got crossed and the, and the eyes looked down and, and it says, these people were miserable, but they had pillars. Yeah. And I learned then that there is a lot more involved in shepherding than pillars. So some of these things, you know, stay with you and they resonate with you throughout your life. So, yeah, I had no in, intention of, of doing this. Wasn't a goal. This wasn't like what I had to do to be happy in my life. I just wanted to do what, what God wanted me to do. And if it was picking up, if it was, you know, being the trash truck, my mother always said, you know, look, you know, if you don't get your education, you're going to be on the back of that trash truck. And I said, wow, they get first pick of all the good stuff, you know, (laughs) and all these things need to be done in life. So it doesn't matter what your occupation is. It matters. Are you using the gifts that God has given to you?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you know, you're being willing to, uh, be used, um, uh i'm 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 forgetting it. that was uh cameron right yep mark cameron yeah mark cameron i was trying to think of his name to to tell the people because you can look into uh uh he has a lot of resources online to look into his grandson
1: i think runs the uh the website and such
0: oh uh, really yeah which wow. is really cool i th- i think his website is or institute.com org okay. maybe um but anyway uh yeah so okay you're you know now you're you're a pastor of the church um you know and the last 43 years have gone great smooth and uh no no ups and downs right it's all it's all been
1: oh yeah it's been smooth as silk you know yeah. clear sailing not a problem in the world you know yeah um uh, you know never had to dealt it, with
0: a bad a bad situation or people no, upset no, about it anything
1: perfect all along all along the yeah. route you know the route uh, yeah but it's
0: uh yeah. and and you know to give people uh, an idea you're you're only recently in the last couple of years, you know you, I'm using air quotes a full-time pastor, you know you because mm-hmm. you you worked, like you said, you were bivocational, um, and even now, you still do work, you you know you have a business that you're working a little bit, so <laughs> it's not like you're you're sitting back doing nothing uh, or like you said earlier, just sitting in an office praying and reading God's word you know for 23 hours a day um but um so how has uh uh obviously we talked about how in the beginning the church was was 12 people you know or small now we're we're still small you know I what I don't know what we are now 40 50 people at most um on a christmas eve service uh <laughs> but so it, it A small church is not necessarily, um, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, show or not show the, the, the success of the church. If you want to say that, um, so kind of talk about that a little bit in terms of it's been a, it started a small church. It's always been a small church, got a little bit bigger, but it's always been small, um, but through all the different things we've been involved in, especially uh all the missionary work, um, I know that you're heavily involved in and uh with ethnos, which used to be New Tribes Bible Institute, um with all that, I know that our church has had a big impact and especially in some stories I've heard you say of where you go to, you know, conferences and stuff and and they hear you're from our church and and they you know, they're like, Oh man, that church is great and you know, and that's all we ever hear about with giving and stuff like that. And you're thinking in the back of your mind, I had 22 people at service last week, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, not, not to like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, you know, blowing up our church. Like, you know, we're the greatest things in sliced bread, but, uh, but I just want to talk about this idea of it's always been small, but it's always been used, um, you know, to, to glorify God. So, in other words, fighting against this idea that you can only be used if you're continually getting bigger and bigger. Um, so talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, you talked about the success and how it is measured is by, is by the health of the church. Yeah. So it's a question of not whether it is successful, it's whether it is healthy. Mm-hmm. Success is so easily confused and messed up in our thinking, especially in this country. Um, where success is the only, uh, you know, the only meter of anything. Very very Uh, prosperity driven. Right. I mean, churches are about health and being a healthy church. Most churches are small churches.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, You know, you know, what did what did Jesus say about the masses? I have pity on them, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so, you know, why? Because they're like a a sheep without a shepherd. And if you're going to shepherd a flock, you got to know the flock. You know, you got to know their names. You got to know their kids name, their grandkids names. You know what's going on at work that, you know, that is that's that's shepherding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's what it is about. And, you know, small uh, does not mean unhealthy. Neither does large mean unhealthy. And, and, you know, we hear folks from small churches, uh, you know, having comments about the big churches. Uh, You know, what matters is the health of a church. And of course, the, you know, the big churches serve, serve a purpose. Um, But, you know, the majority of churches across the world are small. So therefore, if we're looking at, if, if, if these people are walking with God, then small is fine. And small has incredible advantages, especially in the idea of shepherding, especially in the idea of using your gifts. A small church, you know. I mean, our church. Everybody's got the ore in the water. You know, somebody pulls the oar out. You know, hey, yo, you know, what's going on? That that brother might need. That sister might need some help. Yeah. You know why they why they pull the ore out? Uh, you know, so that that concern. You know, bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. How do you bear the burden of somebody that you don't know? Let alone they don't. You don't know their burdens. Mm-hmm. So you know it's the it's the health. Of the church that matters. And that is, of course, you know, that success is, is judged by the relationship with God, by whether the fact we've taught extensively about the gifts over the years, you know, what has God enabled you to do and are you doing it? Um, and, you know, and, and just, you know, sitting and watching the parade go by, you know, isn't, you know, I don't, I don't see that in the gifts. You know, I, I see everything else that involves, you know, the building up of the body of Christ. So, you know, that's what it's about. And I'll give you, I'll give you a story with the uh, first and only time I went to a pastor's conference, uh great conference, Howard <laughs> Hendricks was teaching and we would, <laughs> you're laughing, you remember? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we would, uh, you know, have our meals, you know, kind of like signs, you know, and so there you were at a table of eight or 10, you know, guys, a couple of them had wives with them. And, and the one guy was, uh, you know, he was clearly, um, he clearly wanted to work the group and it's understandable you have a lot of you know similar personalities you get to see when you have a bunch of pastors together and so he would start he started that i noticed uh, you know starting at his left and and i i do notice people that that second career of course 30 years as a police officer so you know you, you watch what's you know what's going to happen and why what's happening is happening and he started you know working to say you know basically the same questions and in different ways, he would ask it, but he would always get down to covering three points, I noticed. One was how, how many people in your church, <clears throat> um, how, how big is the facility, and what is the budget?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And somehow, he would have a conversation with one one fellow, the next time a conversation with another. Sometimes he could get two in on the same one. And I happened to be sitting on his right, and I noticed he was continually working from his left. Yep. So, you know, I got to, to watch this. And then, you know, so we're into it, you know, I don't know, like five meals now or whatever. And I noticed there was a guy on my right, uh, him and his wife. And and they were clearly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and closer as I got, I mean, I could see that it was, you know, they were they were they were in some kind of distress over this. But as it would happen, eventually it did get to him. And the one fella says, you know, you know, Bill, he says, uh you know, where's, where's your church at? He said, uh, oh, it's, it's up, up near uh, Tom's River, New Jersey. Oh, okay. He said, what, what kind of church? This and that. And, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of talk back and forth a little bit. And then he starts, you know, moving in a little bit. He says, well, you know, how big of a facility is it? He says, well, it's just like one big room. It's an old frame building. And, um, you know, that's what we have. He said, well, where do you have your Sunday school classes?
0: Hmm.
1: He says, well, there's kind of like a little lobby area before you, as you walk in. Um, and my wife teaches the kids there, like it's at 10 o'clock and I teach the adults there in the main room. So, well, where, where are all the other classes? He goes, well, that's, that's all there is. It was just, you know, well, why don't you have where, where you have all these all grades from like, you know, he goes, well, no, there's only about like seven kids. And the guy was quiet, you know, who was asking the questions and he says, well, how many people go to your church? <laughs> And he says, I don't about, you know, 12 or 15. He said, well, what's your budget? <laughs> he said, well, you know, it's, a, it's you know, we, we got enough to keep, you know, we pay the bills and we support this mission group. And, uh, and you know, we send money here and, and we do this and that. And he says, well, 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 how do they pay you a salary? And he said, well, I don't, I don't take a salary. He said, well, how do you support yourself? He said, well, I work the overnight shift as a custodian at a building. He's like, well, then then," I'm not getting this. He says, you know, how, how, like, what do you do all day? Like, you sleep all day. He goes, well, I haven't been getting much sleep lately because Tom, the uh, one fellow in our church, he's a mechanic, and he broke his hand. Uh, So, you know, he works on cars all day, and now he can't work on cars. He says, so I'm at a shop every day. He goes, oh, he says, you're a mechanic? He goes, no, I don't know anything about fixing cars. He said, but Tom does. He says, so I just do the wrenching, and he tells me what to do, and I do all the work. And huh. so I'm there, you know, mostly every day uh, doing that. And now, I mean, I- I'm, like, getting tear in my eye because the man's a shepherd. Mm. And the others are, like, you know, like, shaking their heads, like, this is this is crazy. And uh, so finally the guy looks at him and says, well, why don't you – why don't you go to a church where, you know, they could pay you a salary? He goes, well, I don't want to leave this church. He says, well, why not? He said, because I love these people. Suddenly got quiet. Without him, his wife actually got up and just, you know, they were, they were done their meal. You know, politely left, and, and they walked, you know, walked away. And uh, I thought, you know what, no. And I got up. And I, by the time I got out, I, I didn't see him. I went over to the chapel where the meetings were going to be held and meetings wasn't going to start for another hour. And I went over and there they were in a chapel by themselves. And I just walked up and hugged them both. Never had a three-way hug with two people I'd never met before. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I'm like, I, I just, I fell in love with them. And because, because they were shepherding. And he, was, he clearly loved his people. And and that's what that's what this is all about. This is about whether or not a church is a healthy church, and I I think that it's a you know whether it's a design or whether it's just the best way to be doing it. Uh, but I, I feel so much for the pastors who feel that they're not successful because their churches are not increasing numerically, and I I don't I don't I don't, I don't get that. All the things that I see that Paul writing. You know, in Timothy, I I don't get that that picture anywhere. So, I think the uh, you know for for the pastors, those that want to be pastors, realize it. it's a call to be a shepherd, not to put a thousand people in a building. There's no numerical goal.
0: Yeah, and and I think because of that um, that that skewed way of of looking at what a you know what a pastor is. Um, you hear about how pastors actually have, you know, a a, a, a lot higher than, than the average person. Like they have a higher suicide rate. They have a higher, you know, depression rate. Um, and I, I would say that a lot of that is, is because of they're putting a lot of this outside pressure on, you know, what should be just their ministry. Um, you know, they're, they're they're looking at the budget and oh for for the last six weeks we we've, we've been behind so so you know uh, what 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 is going to happen here um you know and, and when the budget's not right it affects you know their their money coming into their family um so uh it's I don't know if well, okay here's a, here's a question because I know some people might be thinking this. Based off of, and, and this is just off the top, of your head, um, is, on top of your head, is on the top of your head, is there scripture that would back up what the, the model that, that we're talking about? Um, or do you think that it could go either way scripturally?
1: Well, it, it does appear that, you know, when Paul, you know, went back, if we look at, at the book of Acts, you know, he went back to the areas that he visited. And, and he ordained elders, the same as pastors. We got that all confused in, in this country. So, um, you know, he ordained them from their church. Um, so the model, if there is one, is that, you know, you raise people up and they continue the ministry. Um, so that is the model. And, you know, that is what is not being being followed. Instead of bringing in someone, you know, who th- goes through an interview process, um, you know, because they want the, you know, the, the best possible person. And I appreciate that. But it, it's about having, you know, raising up a shepherd and, you know, for for a pastor, you know, to spend years and years and years, um, you know, with people or even seven years or eight years. I mean, that's usually about as long as, as most say, um, average wise, that is they um you know, to not have someone else raised up and for the church, not to be willing to say, okay, yeah, maybe this guy, you know, isn't the best speaker. You know, maybe he's not, you know, we don't have uh Swindoll or Stanley here. You know, <laughs> Maybe he says, um, too many times, but, but what yeah. is he, what is he doing? Is he shepherding the people? Yeah. Um, and there was one, I mean, we're blessed in this area of South Jersey, Aaron. We really are. Uh, when we have our good Friday service where there's, you know, two of them, um, you know, one over at Christ Community Church, one up at Ariel, and I I teach at both of them. And, uh, you know, the three-hour service doing seven different aspects of of the cross, and that's, you know, seven different pastors from the area. Um, And and most of them, you know, uh, Pastor Mel will be up at Ariel Church. He's got 50-plus years. Yeah, Uh, You know, you look at some of these guys. They have been there for years and decades. So, you know, that's awesome. But there was one church in, in South Jersey that um, you know, true story was, was you know, they were looking to hire a pastor and they had all their qualifications. They wanted somebody who had X amount of, edu- you know, level of education, uh, X amount of years experience uh, and and a certain age bracket. Well, they were striking out and striking out and striking out. And then finally, someone in the group said, you know what? I don't think this person exists. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, we want somebody, you know, who's like, under the age of 40 but we want them to have you know a doctorate and we want them to have 10 years experience yeah (laughs) so unless it's pastor Doogie, hauser i mean you know it's not gonna happen and they're like oh wow (laughs) you know it's 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 a it's merely pastor is a gift that's what it is it's a gift it's one of the gifts that are there and You know, the the elder part of it is an office. So someone can have a gift of pastor, not necessarily have the office uh, that is there of it. And and the office is a temporary thing. And somehow we turned it into a career thing. And um, while it's wonderful, while I like the fact that there are people, especially the professors in Bible colleges that write the books, uh, that keep us, you know, keep guys like me on as far as the doctrine uh, and mm-hmm. understanding these things, we need that. Uh, we also, I think, as a greater need, is to bring be bringing the gospel to people who don't have it. 98%, you know, roughly 98% of the money that Christians give in this country stays in this country. So we spend 98% of our money on, like, what? You know, 2% of the world's population.
0: And, that's, and the, the 98% is not a high enough number you know because Christians are known for not giving much unfortunately so yeah go yeah. ahead i i stopped you
1: yeah but i mean i i think roughly you know and i i don't um i don't do the budget and uh, i don't i don't pay the bills uh but i did have to for the first time in 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 a few years uh looked at, at those numbers um because of the, the giving thing right now going on. Um, and about 40% of, of our budget goes to support missionaries. And and that effort is all directed toward the gospel in areas that don't have the Bible in their own language yet or are very, very unreached. So that's where the effort is needed. Not on ourselves, but on the the world as a whole. And everybody goes, Oh yeah, well, you know, you got Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, but everybody keeps starting in the beginning and no one ever gets to the other most parts of the earth. I know like it, it wasn't like one after the other, it was all. And we've taken that and said, this is a justification to spend money on ourselves. And, and that's not a good thing. I'm going to have plenty to talk to God about. And, Mm. um, you know, at, at least that will be, uh, you know, will be one thing that,
0: that hopefully I hear, you know, well done good and faithful servant about because I know there'll be other things, but so, uh, so with what you just said, you know, reaching the outermost parts of the earth outermost. outermost, Yeah. Uh, so, well, I was, I was thinking, you know, since the earth is flat, there's the outermost, you know, part, but, um, (laughs) so, uh, (laughs) I hope people realize that was a joke. Um, so with that being said, I could I could see somebody questioning you and saying, I, I 100% agree. And I think that is what scripture says. Um, but based off of your testimony, you've basically moved a block and then moved back a block. And you <laughs> stayed here. <laughs> so, so, you know, how does that work out? Um, again, is that just a, this is where God has called me? So I've answered that. And you know, yeah, talk about that for a second.
1: Well, again, there are we've had a a number of people. I I I forget the number now, maybe a dozen. You know, from our church who have left to go into mission work, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we are also, um, you know, these and these these people come back and they are a part of our church. This isn't just a check that we send. They don't just come back and give a you know a yearly report kind of a thing. Uh, that these people come back, they come to our men's retreats. They teach at our men's retreats. Sometimes they don't teach. Sometimes they're just there. Uh, our ladies retreats—they're a part of. Uh, when they come back, uh, we just had the, the Shortmeyer family. Uh, I guess it was last year, or the year before, and uh, they were going to be up uh, during the time of our men's retreat. And uh, now, you know, Brian again—he's you know executive committee for the mission—and uh, he says, "Well." He said, I'm trying to figure out what exactly I could do while I'm there. He said, do you want me to do the church service? Since, like, there's virtually nobody at church when all the men, because we actually go away, including we miss church on Sunday. He goes, I don't mind doing church with, you know, a handful of people. He goes, I'll be glad to do that. So, you know, when they come up, you know, they, they meet the people. There's relationships there, I guess is what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And and our people, there are people in our church who support these missionaries outside of their giving to the church. And we have had, you know, a number of people, you know, go through their Bible college and now they know people who are on the foreign field. So they're supporting them, not only, you know, financially, but, you know, obviously the real support uh, that they have people behind them. So, uh, you know, we're part of that. We've, uh, we just recently did what, 15 years uh, in the city of Camden. Uh, you know, there every first Sunday of the month, you know, meeting people, uh, you know, uh, handing out food, uh, you know, we're still active. We're over 15 years, uh, in, uh, in, in, Southwood state prison, you know, bringing, bringing the word there, uh, our vacation Bible school, uh, had, <laughs> had two people, two different families moved in across the street from me. And, um, you know, here, the one he goes, yeah, he says, my, my niece used to go to your, your church. And then the other family, she said, I I used to go to vacation Bible school at your church. Mm -hmm. Um, And I meet people all the time that have gone to our vacation Bible school over the years. So, you know, the outreach, you know, continues. And then we hear from these people later on. I might get a call for it to do a funeral for someone. Uh, They're like, yeah, well, we went to your church when, you know, when my grandmother was a kid. Um, (laughs) You know, that's fine. You know, we're here. Uh, sometimes we're just here to catch people, you know, when they fall. Uh, but God has us here, um, and we're we're content.
0: Yeah, because uh, I, I, mean, it, it's, it has to be both. You know, the, the missionaries out in the field they need the they need the at home support. Yeah, um, and the at home people need to be need to make sure that they're supporting, you know, some kind of missionaries or, or missionary work uh, to further the gospel in that way. Uh, yeah. So it has. You you know, you have to have both. Um, so. Uh. So we're here now, and um, you've been. What is it? Forty-three years. Yes. Forty-three years been pastor. What What do you think you're gonna reach? (laughs) Sixty, sixty-two, maybe. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I never, never. You know, like someone asked me, you know, once they said, How many hours a week do you put in at the church?
0: Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) How would you even count that? You you
1: know, like, I know, like lawyers have like a clock thing they hit when somebody calls to time that. I I don't keep track of every phone call, every text, every visit, every, you know, like, no, there's no way in the world. So, again, you know, I don't know. As long as God would have me here
0: yeah well i'll when we're done this i'll text you the time card so that you know (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) yeah um right. well we can uh unless you got anything else you want to you want to chime in we can wrap this up i'm good we'll do
1: it again this didn't go this wasn't bad
0: okay (laughs) a little a little snippet of of an advance in technology for you so yeah you you did all right um cool well i appreciate you uh coming on and uh, i know that people are gonna are gonna like hearing your story um also, like hearing um whether whether they like me good or bad, you're a big influence on me uh, uh and a mentor in this way, so you know uh that might scare or help people but <laughs> um so keep up what you're doing Aaron. yeah, I appreciate that um uh I am basically the social media guy, so I'll i I always give some you know people a chance to reach how they can reach out to you and follow you and stuff, but uh I'll just say because I basically do that for our church. Um if you want to follow us on Facebook, it's Garden Lake Bible Church. Uh the the tag is Garden Lake Bible Church NJ. Um we put up stuff, we have a live stream every service, um, 10 a.m. starting every week, and then 11 a.m. is a service, 10 a.m. is Sunday school. Um We usually post um, something or a couple times every day. Uh, So, yeah, follow Sarah. Oh, Garden Lake on YouTube. We we put all our videos and stuff up there, too. Um, So, all right. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you for coming on. God bless you, Aaron. uh, God bless you. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you later.